evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode three of the Lion of Vienna podcast, the love pod, if you will, the LOV pod, if you're going to be funny about it. Tonight we're joined by uh, a variety of our star writers, mainly being uh, myself, Dennis, Elliot, Liam, and Dan. We're going to try and have a bit of a rotating cast of characters every week on the pod, um, subject to whether we've got anything better to do and, uh, and whether we can be bothered. But it's been a good response so far from the audience, so we thank you all for all your supportive uh, and not-so-supportive tweets, and we hope you like what we're doing. We're trying to get it, make it better every week, so keep your suggestions coming. Now, tonight, bit of a mixed bag, lot to talk about. Obviously, we've had two matches since we last, uh, we last talked to you all in the podcast. Ipswich away and uh, the Wigan away game this past Saturday. Now, for this opening segment, I'm joined by uh, Elliot and Liam. Uh, we managed to get rid of Dan and Dennis just for the time being. Um, so we're going to start off with uh, with a bit of a brief Ipswich, uh, Ipswich rundown for you all to consider. Now, Elliot, since it's your first appearance on the podcast, we'll give you first go. Just give us, you know, in, in brief, your, your sort of bullet points of the, of the Ipswich game. What did you think we did right? What do you think we did wrong? Where do you think we can go from here? Yeah, well, thank you for the nice introduction. Um, I was covering the game on Twitter for the website, and if I'm being honest, it, it seemed like we played all right. I mean... I had a good um, radio stream listening along, and we we did play well. Um, just want to point out Rashinia. I know against Wigan he might not have had the best of times that he wanted, but against Ipswich, I mean, it sounded like he had an amazing game. And yeah. even watching the YouTube highlights, have you guys watched them yet? YouTube ones, Liam? Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, he uh, he, he looks active, doesn't he? He he likes to go past people. Yeah, well, exactly. And there was this one time where he linked up well with Craig Davis and he did the little one-two and then his shot, it just creeped wide of the post. But it'd have been an amazing goal if it had gone in. And if I'm well, being completely honest, I think it might have been harsh for us not to get at least a point out of that. I know it was a tough ask, but it was quite disappointing in the end. Yeah, it's a very, Bolton Wanderers, a very Bolton Wanderers attribute to having that you can, uh, you can have the most beautiful build-up in the whole wide world. But when it comes to actually finishing it off then uh, then we're always found a little bit lacking aren't we now um liam i don't i don't know if you went to the game or not i'm sure you're like me a working guy you've not quite got the time to uh, dive off to the far end of the world uh, on a tuesday night but judging off the highlights or the radio stream um, what were your own uh, opinions of the game what do you think well you know first of all fair play to anyone that did go because i can't definitely. think of a place further away than ipswich but definitely you know i mean I, to be honest i think it's good to be disappointed because I think a lot of us just completely wrote that game off. Um, there's nothing more trickier than a midweek game away. And to go to Ipswich, especially with the Wigan game looming, even Lennon himself said beforehand he was likely to ring the changes. I think for a lot of us into the latter stages of the game, it was surprised that we were still in it. Never mind playing well. So, yeah, I mean, disappointment really that we couldn't capitalise on it. But I think it's... Testament to where, you know, the improvements that we've made. And yeah, we may not be in the greatest form that we're in, but those sorts of games were complete write-offs under Freeman. Now with a bit of rotation, it seems like everybody is pulling the same way. And whilst it was disappointing to lose it, you know, it's it, a 1-0 away, a, a strong Ipswich side is not a bad result. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that we've got new players coming in the team like Rochinia, um, making an immediate impact as well is positive because obviously Lennon made these signings in January and he even said himself a lot of these are players just to tide us over until the end of the season and 
Slavchev, Rachinia, people like that, Swadzik as well. Impact hasn't been the best, but, you know, it, we're, we've got a weak squad, a fairly thin squad, and anyone that we can bring in, if we can make an immediate impact, then that's all the better. But from what I saw in the highlights, it was it was a typical one, just performance under Lenin. A lot of good points, but we still come away from the game with a few question marks, mainly over, over finishing, as usual. Um, but also in terms of the midfield, I know he, he brought back Trotter against one of his former teams, and... From what, I, well, from what I've garnered from reading reviews of the game, from what I've garnered from re- reading uh, match reports, etc., he, he struggled to impress yet again. And it's really surprising because I remember seeing him under it at, at Millwall, sorry, and, and he was fantastic. He was an absolute beast, like a kind of budget Yaya Torre in the centre of midfield. But he's, he's oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm talking about from a physical standpoint, bursting runs on midfield, etc. And I thought we were getting the cracking play, but it really hasn't worked for him, has it? Um, Elliot, I know it's slightly off on, on a bit of a tangent here, but Trotter, do you think he's got a future at the club? It's it's hard to say with Trotter because he's well, he's been quite unlucky with injuries. You know, he's been in the squad, out the squad, but I mean, you only have to look on Twitter just to get the fan view of him. It's it's, it's obvious that they don't like him. And but to be fair to our fans, I know sometimes we're not the best of supporting players, but he's not really given us anything to get behind and cheer his name. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And uh, just before we move on to the Wigan game, Liam, give me one sentence to describe Liam Trotter using your uh, most polite way of speaking. He's completely immobile. The that's lack a, of energy... That's fine. <laughs> I think he, you've, summed his, you've summed him up, summed him up in, uh, in absolutely perfectly there, mate. Absolutely perfectly. He, he's a slow, lumbering, uh, lumbering waste of space at this minute in time. But uh, anyway, let's move on to Wigan because obviously... Uh, my 50-minute imposed time limit by my, the American overlord. We're getting pretty close to Wigan. Liam, you going to take this one first? What, what, do you, what did you think of the game? Again, if you attended, what were your impressions? What do you think we did right? What do you think we did wrong? Well, I, I did attend. Um, I was slightly intoxicated, so you have to bear <laughs> with me. Um, we were poor, really. Yeah. We were poor. We struggled to keep possession. Um we struggled with any sort of movement from the Wigan forward line. Mark Antoine Fortune causes problems, and from his form for Wigan all year, you know that that is worrying for me. I think the centre backs in particular struggled. Matt Mills seemed a bit all over the place. McCarthy was slightly better, but he seemed to when he win the ball, when he when he's got the ball to his feet, then the next pass was either straight to a Wigan player or to you know Young Walker under pressure. So. We really struggled, and I think we were lucky to come away with a point. What about you, Elliot? I completely agree with you. I mean, I also made the short trip to the DW Stadium, and it was just a a dreadful game, really. I mean, it was quite embarrassing from a a Wanderers perspective to be outplayed and probably even outsung by the Wigan supporters. We were just dreadful from start to finish, and I, I agree with what you said. When we look at it, I think maybe we were lucky to even come away with a point, apart from the goal, which took a massive deflection. I mean, yeah, I mean, Tom Walker's had a good game, but it's a really lucky goal to get on the break. And they hit the uh, post crossbar twice, had one ruled out for offside. I mean, Ben Amos was in incredible form, made two, made two world-class saves. I mean, he wasn't, if, if it wasn't for him, we would have probably lost the game, but... It's just disappointing yet again to concede in the last minute, but in a way we could see it coming. And if we'd have won that game, it would have been daylight robbery because 
as much as I hate to say it, I think Wigan were probably the better team on the day. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, totally agree. I mean, um, again, from what I saw on the Football League show this uh, this morning, we woke up with it with a bit of a stinking head on. Um, was that we again outplayed away from home? And I don't know what it is because uh, the form we display at the Reebok is, is superb. I mean, like Dallin said in the past, it's championship winning form. We're, we're pretty strong at home. Um, you know, but away from, away from home, it's the same players that we've got, it's the same system that we tend to play. So, so what's the answer? It's a difficult one. I think you've got to start looking at the manager, I guess, in the way that things are being set up. It's up to him to change it. He obviously can recognise that there's a problem, but we, you know, we want to start seeing something done about it before it gets too late. Uh, because you know, if that sort of form carries on, you're never going to get out of this division, and, and you're then reliant on your home form supporting you're away from so if one doesn't follow the other you're never going to make any progress and you're only ever going to stand still so if, if we want to look to be putting a, a, a you know promotion run towards uh, at the start of next season onwards it's going to have to be a priority over the summer that he, he, he improves the mentality the concentration and the ability just to, to hold on to a lead it's it getting beyond the joke isn't it I mean what was the statistic is it six games out of the last 10 or 11 that we've managed yeah, to drop points yeah, yeah. last week it's, we've it's we've not, conceded in the 90th minute or later in six of our last 13 games in our 13. competitions. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, it's not it's not a, just a, a quick thing. 13 games is, is you know is more or less it's about a, what, a third of the season, give or take a few games. It's uh, it, it's very worrying, and and I would expect that to be one of the major focuses of Lennon's time this coming summer. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, we'll uh, we'll call this bit just to a, to a brief end now before I get told off by Dennis for going on too long but we'll be back in a couple of minutes time with the next segment we're going to talk about a few of our young players and the progress made this season as opposed to the lack of progress made through Dougie and his lovely boys alright so thanks lads we'll come back in a couple of minutes time Welcome back everybody to our next segment this is Dennis Chase joining the pod to give it a little uh, worldly perspective so to speak I'm back here with Elliot and Liam, and we're just going to have a little discussion about the young players that have come through at Bolton this season under Neil Lennon. Um, Some are our own players, some are other clubs' players that they've loaned to us, but that might be coming back in the future. Most notable among those is probably our current number one goalkeeper, Ben Amos, and Elliot. You have some thoughts on the Manchester United keeper, don't you? I, I do indeed. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Ben Amos, really. It's especially, I'm going to talk about his performance on Saturday against Wigan. He's, he was unbelievable. In, in the first half, made a world-class save from a header, really close range, his reaction just tipped it over. And then even the second from the free kick, tipping it onto the post. I think... I, I, I wasn't expecting much really from Amos. I'm not being this in a harsh way, but we, we didn't need another keeper. We've got Bogdan and obviously Lomas, who have been immense for us. But ever since he's come in, I don't really think he's put a foot wrong. I mean, if you saw the goal that he conceded in the last minute against Wigan, it's an amazing overhead kick from Waghorn, but there's nothing he could have done about that. And what about the future for next season? I think Neil Lennon should try as hard as he can to keep him going full-time. He's already said that he wants to leave Old Trafford. We could sign him on a free under the Bosman ruling. I mean, he's 24. He's, he's got the best years ahead of him. And he seems happy here. And he's playing regular football. 
getting good performances. I mean, I, I've not really heard a bad word said from him. I don't know what you guys think. Liam, maybe? Have you been impressed with Amos? He's been very good. Very, very good. I mean, I was particularly impressed in the Wigan game, not only from the two saves that you mentioned earlier, but also, you know, Wigan had 10 corners in that game. And he's, he's, he's command of the area for those corners. I mean, he collected three or four of them under yeah. real pressure from, from Wigan. He, he just looks the real deal. And it's it's like you say, I mean, we're, we're a team blessed with good goalkeepers. Um, we've got Adam Bogdan and Lonergan, and that's a debate in itself. But Amos has come in and he's made that number, well, num he made the number one shirt his own, really. So, you know, if he's available, I, I don't see why not. Um, I mean, I personally... I think it's pretty all but done for Bogdan going. It looks that way anyway. So, for me, if we can do, we've got to sign him. I mean, what do you think, Dennis? Well, I think it's it's interesting that, that Amos has come in and sort of shown a strength where we had a weakness of both keepers. I think a big criticism of Bogdan was that he didn't command the area on corners, on set pieces. I think... We know that's always been a weakness of Lonergan's as well. Even going back to uh, to UC, who had some some trouble in those areas from time to time. I think Amos really seems to to take control. You know, anything that's even close to him, he's going to get. So, if we could sign him, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Bogdan and would like to hold on to him, but um, I think Amos would be a really good signing. Right, so go on, and at the end of the season, you can have two of the three keepers, Lonergan, Bogdan, or Amos. Who would you keep, and why? Do you want to take that first, Dennis? Yeah, like I said, I think definitely Amos and Bogdan. Um, Lonergan's really just, uh, I mean, he's, he's had a good career. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure most of us and most people we know would give our right arm to have a professional footballing career for that long. But he's really, he's, he's a journeyman. You know, he's a nice guy to have to plug in for a couple games. And he'll have an occasional great run of form. But ultimately, he's not the guy you want out there for 40, 45 matches. Liam? Yeah, I completely agree, Dennis. Um, when, when you watch Lonergan, you can really see, whilst he may have a great game, you can see the flaws in him. Um, for example, I never thought that I'd see someone with worse kicking than Jaskalainen, for example, or a goalkeeper that probably can't jump over a foot high in the air. But <laughs> whilst, for all them criticisms, you know, he's, he's a solid option, is Lonergan, but, you know, the stronger two have to be Amos and Bogdan. But if you were going to keep Amos, you'd probably want an older head around the place. You know, the, he, he's still at an age where he can learn. So, you know, it's the same reason we'd probably sign Paddy Kenny, to have that sort of role model around the pitch as your number two. I, qu I quite like the sound of that, but that would mean two new goalkeepers. So I'm not too sure. I mean, what were your thoughts, Elliot? I was just confused that Paddy Kenny had been a role model. <laughs> See the size of him. Um, yeah, in an ideal world, obviously you'd, you'd like to keep the two younger goalkeepers, especially from a financial point of view. If, you, if you're selling them on, you'll get a lot more for either Amos or Bogdan because they're younger and I think Lonergan's 31, 32. He's maybe not got that long left. But if we're being realistic, Amos and Bogdan will both want first-team football. And I, 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 can, I can't see them both being at the club 
on a permanent deal. So, if I'm being nice, I, I wouldn't mind who, but either Bogdan or Amos. I, I'm not sure about Lonergan for the long-term future at Bolton Wanderers. You know, with Bogdan, though, considering he's basically missed the whole season with injury, I could see him maybe signing a one-year deal to try to reestablish his value, something like that. I'd say it's not outside the realm of possibility, whereas if he'd been healthy and played, you know, 20, 25 matches instead of four, yeah, you could see him going somewhere else. I think you have to remember with Bogdan, we sat like... He, he counts as a homegrown player because he's been at the club for such a long time. Like he's, he's, he's officially come through the academy, even though we've brought him in from Hungary. And I can't see Bolton wanting to get rid of him because the amount of time that they've spent developing Bogdan and even like, giving him the vote of confidence when we were in the Premier League, when he took the number one jersey from Yussi in the season, which went down. So... From a club's point of view, unless you've got maybe Mainz from the Bundesliga saying about having, was it, it's saying a million for Bogdan? I can't see anything else happening for him. Although he just needs to sign a new contract because we can't have him leaving for free. Uh, I'd, I think there'd be a lot of teams lining up for Adam Bogdan. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think he'd be a very popular option for a lot of teams, particularly stronger teams as a, as a number two, possibly. You know, you, similar to Kushak at United, I would think. He would end up, not necessarily in England, but like you say, somewhere like Mans on the continent. I can see him ending up as a number two. Mm. All right. Um, that's looking at someone who we're hoping to make one of our own players. But let's get back to a couple of the guys that, that we control. Um, Liam, Tom Walker really came out of nowhere, I feel like, this season. Like, Cloth, Chris Lester, Odalusi. We kind of have heard these names the last few years and knew they were coming. Walker just seemed to appear on the team sheet a couple months ago. How do you think he's done so far? He's taken to it well. I'm not sure if he's as ready as others have been. It's, it's a real show of Lennon's policy as, as a manager to include players from the academy. So whilst... You know, there's been times where you've looked at him and you thought, go on, you know. There's been times where he's been in possession and you've seen real fear from him. So I'm not quite sure that he's ready to be thrown in yet. And I think that a Wigan game, despite him doing reasonably well, was perhaps a bit too far. And I just get concerned when we throw our young players in and they're not quite ready. You get that rabbit in the headlight kind of look. And I just think that's really what the loan system's for. There's, there's nothing wrong with loaning young players out. I just, whilst I like Tom Walker, I just don't think he's ready. I mean, what do you think, Elliot? I don't think that he's done anything wrong since coming in. I think he's been fairly stable. He's held his own. When he played um, in our last game, it was at home against Millwall, he did look slightly timid at first, but once the game got on, you, you did see him getting forward quite a bit. And you just thought maybe go on, like, he looked like he could do something, and he's not—he's not bad on the ball at all. No, and you, you can't forget how young he is. I think maybe, as you were saying, for the future, he looks like he could be a very decent player, but he just needs experience. So they maybe say loan him out to League One or League Two side next season, get him some more confidence and game time. But I mean. For a, for a debut in the first three games, I, I don't think he's made a major mistake. 
and he's got a goal, albeit a huge deflection along the way. What do you think, Dennis? Well, I think uh, I think you're right about him maybe being loaned out. I think we could see him uh, take a similar road to what's happened so far with Connor Wilkinson, where you kind of see several different loans, comes back, maybe plays a few matches for the first team, gets some appearances off the bench, kind of integrated slowly, hopefully, to build over time. And we see he's been called up by the, the under-21s, for this coming week. He scored the winning goal this weekend. So that might be the way forward for Walker as well. As you say, use the use the loan system and make some progress. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the best thing for him. But I suppose the advantage of our current situation where it would take quite a swing for us to go down really is that in essence it's a bit of a free hit for these players at the moment. So perhaps Lennon, you know, is thinking that and introducing these players, you know, one at a time, just to give them the first team action in the championship. It's a good learning curve for Walker against a Wigan side, really going for it, fighting to stay up, when essentially we can't afford to lose these games. So there perhaps is an opportunity for the remainder of the season to play these players in these games. Mm. You know, the the one I thought would really be involved this season was actually uh, George Ilyev. I think, um, you know, I think end of last season he got on the bench a couple of times, and then under the preseason, I know this was under Friedman, but he basically played every match in the preseason, yeah. was one of the first players to sort of get up to 90 minutes, and I thought, okay, you know, he's not ready to be a normal first-team contributor every week, but I really thought we'd hear from him this season, and he's been called up by the under-21s for Bulgaria. So I'm surprised by how little we've seen Ilyev so far this season. Elliot, I know you've been to a couple of uh, development squad games, if I'm not mistaken. you have any opinion on either of those guys? I'd start with Ilyev. Wherever I've seen him play for the under-21s, he's... He's been extremely good. Midfielder, really composed on the ball, can pick out a pass. He's been brilliant. We haven't seen him much this season because he's been loaned out at Carlisle United. And even then, I've got a friend at school who sports Carlisle and I've just heard good things about him. But it's just getting the break into the squad. I mean, midfield's an area where we've been quite congested recently, so... Maybe he just needs to find his break, but I, I, I don't know what to suggest really with Ilyev because he's he's twenty now. It may, I'm not saying he's going to leave, but he would be like slowly starting to get fed up with not having a chance. I don't know. What do you think? Has he got time at the club? I think well, at only twenty, I, he's probably got at least one more season where we'd hang on to him. Liam? Yeah. <sighs> It looks like they're getting the chances. So if he's not getting on now, he's only 20, isn't it? So there's going to be other opportunities. We'll probably see him between now and the end of the season with the way things are going. So fingers yeah. crossed, you know, he, he takes his chance. But we'll see, won't we? I know that it's slightly off the cuff, but earlier we were talking about Wigan. Any of you guys think that they're going to stay up, go down quite a bit off, aren't they? Oh, I think they're, they're going down. They're pretty far, pretty far gone at the moment. And judging by the the performance on Sunday, even though Bolton were horrible, I mean they couldn't really take advantage, could they? 
and they're just yeah. it's just seems to be a, a a nightmare a disaster behind the scenes you know so it's and that that has ways of leaking into the the play on the pitch can't mm. see them staying up be quite a shame for the ego down running out of derbies i mean blackpool <laughs> blackpool will be down too won't they Nah, out. they're fighting Blackpool. <laughs> don't, don't give up on Blackpool yet. <laughs> it was Blackpool get so much stick for their pitch, but I don't know if any of you saw the DW pitch. It was awful. Yeah, it was terrible. It was it was one of the worst I've seen in a long time. Obviously, there's a you know there's a rugby league team that that are playing on that pitch as well, but I've not seen anything like that as bad for a long time. And what I did notice at halftime was that. Wigan had both teams warming up at half time in the end that Bolton are attacking. Which, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, which I thought, you know, could only be deliberate, really. And you're sort of, <laughs> you know, something you wouldn't put past Malky Mackay that. I, I've got absolutely no sympathy for Wigan Athletic at all. It's, they've really allowed Dave Whelan to completely take over that club. I mean, he's even named the stadium after himself and no one's, you know, no one's stopped him. And as soon as, the fame has gone. He is a, he's essentially spat his dummy out and given this club to his grandson who couldn't run a chippy in Wigan Town Centre. It's an absolute farce. And I, and I do feel sorry for their fans, but they've really allowed this to happen. And I, I, I think they'll go down completely this year and I don't think we'll see them again for a long, long time. All right. Well, I think that's enough of uh, dancing on our neighbours' graves for now so thank you Liam thank you Elliot and we'll be back in just a minute with some talk of the coming international break okay welcome back everybody to the next segment of the love pod the lion of Vienna podcast and now we're going to uh, cast our sights abroad so to speak and look at the international call-ups most notable, of course, for me, is that Tim Ream, after spending a long time really out of favor for Jurgen Klinsmann's U.S. team, seems to be back in the fold, as he's been called up this time. And I think it'd be hard to argue that he doesn't deserve it, giving his performance really still out of position at left back the last two seasons. Um, Chris, what do you think about Ream getting back into the the flow with the US team yeah I think it's great news great news for him great news for the club I think it's deserved as well and personally I think it's it's come at maybe a, a slightly surprising time because as well as I think he's played overall I don't think the last couple of weeks he's maybe covered himself in too much glory with a couple of uh, a couple of mistakes here and there but yeah fair play to him he's, uh, he's, he's had a consistent season I would say you know he's He's always a sort of six and a half, seven out of ten guy, an absolute minimum every single week. So I, I, I applaud him. I mean, looking looking more cynically at it, maybe it's also uh, a bit of a shot window playing international football, get his name out there to a few clubs. He might consider that. The club might consider that for the future as well. Difficult to say. Um, but no, as far as I'm concerned, it's richly deserved. The guy is uh, the guy's a solid player. Not sure what the makeup is of the United States team, so I don't know where he would fit into that squad. Um, but on an individual level, I think it's well deserved, Dennis. Mm, yeah, I think uh, the concern I have, and this was 
always the concern I had when we had more players going out in past years, especially Chung Young Lee before he left, is just that yeah. fear that there's an injury, there's jet lag, something goes wrong. I mean, it always happened with Stu Holden. Something goes wrong on this international and you just lose this player. Yeah. Long term, it's always a nightmare in that regard. Definitely. So it is a gamble, you are right. And and, and I guess that brings us on to, the, uh, to, to another one of the first team squad called look, Neil Dan's travelling to, to Guyana. I mean, I, I have to check on the maps on Google Maps where Guyana is. I've never heard of it. You know, one of them. The long way to travel, 15,000 miles round trip, I think I heard Lennon say. I mean, what's that going to do for his fitness for, for a player who's, who some people, not me, Neil, not me, some people believe needs a rest in the first place? Uh, Liam, what do you think, Pat? Well, I just have to say, congratulations, Neil. We're really, really happy for you. Um, totally, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very long way to go. A very long way. I used to always think that with, you know, when we had, there was a time where we had a lot of Australian players in the Premier League that would go um, on that round trip. It's, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I do, you know, I'm the biggest fan of international football that, that you'll get, but 15,000 mile round trip to play for Guyana, I, you know, it, it's just it's just too much risk. And when you've got a club paying his wages that want him available every single game, I don't know. I, I don't want to stop anyone from playing for the country. It's just another long way, isn't it? Yeah, it sometimes feels, and again, these, these call-ups are not, not necessarily picking on Dan's foot. When you find someone that's being called up because their, their uncle's granddad's dog once, playing, once had a pint of Guinness so they qualify for trial and that kind of thing, it feels a bit a bit flippant. And, and I know I'm sure Dan feels honoured to, to be called up by Guyana. And, and like you say, fair play to anyone who, who's good enough to play international football, no matter who it's for. But And I don't expect him to turn the invitation down by any extent. I just wonder whether, thinking on, it, it's the right time thinking selfishly as far as the club's concerned it's the right time to have someone who is a key member of the squad pissing off to the other side of the world for, for a few days to, to play train and crack on Dennis um, again you know travelling these long distances no sweat for you American people you're, you're used to your driving all across country 10,000 miles etc so I'm sure you could do it in a heartbeat but to play football for a couple of days I'm not too sure I still don't like it I've, I've never liked it I mean if I'm 100% honest, I think if it weren't for the the public stigma or the stick they might get, I think a lot of players just wouldn't play internationally, would quote-unquote retire from international football. I think uh, El Hadj Doof retired about seven times from international football mm. every time he had an, an argument with somebody from Senegal when he was with us, but... Um, Especially players from countries where they're not, they're not playing for that league, you know, where they haven't, they're leaving the country earlier and earlier. I mean, well, it's, yeah, that, that's true. It's, I mean, I, I know we're going to come on to this topic later on, but uh, the World Cup being played in Christmas in, in, in what, 2022, it's only going to, it's going to give plenty of time for people to get used to the idea. But you're right that, that international clubs, uh, international sides, sorry, make demands on the players that they leave a certain time before the game and, and you know that's an arbitrary time period defined by FIFA they don't care what difference it makes to Bolton they don't care when Dan gets back on the Thursday and he has to play again on the Saturday after having flown so far so so where, where does it end? Yeah I mean I think 
it's it's still seven years off, and I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens with with twenty twenty two, whether that actually ends up taking place there and taking place in the winter. I think that might be far from finalized. I wouldn't be surprised well, if with the the next election somebody challenges Bladder and that that's sort of their their stance that if I win, possibly, I'm moving. Very, uh, very possibly. I'll, uh, I'll, in, I'll invite you to keep your powder dry on that, Dennis, because I've got, I've got plenty to say on that topic later on. All right, yeah, well, we'll get back to that next week. Um, How do I more... correctly, sir? Oh, that's Dan Murphy joining us, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, shit, bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Dan. So... The next player that I did want to mention before we finished up was that uh, Barry Bannon did get called up for this international break. Liam, big surprise that? Well, he's been very good for us. He's always featured quite heavily internationally as Barry. So, obviously, being frozen out of the team at Palace really hampered him. But as soon as he's strung games together, they'd love to get a player like that. And a technical ball player, he was always going to be back in that squad with games behind him. Yeah, I think he's deserved a call up as well. I, I, he's, we've said this before a couple of times. He's obviously, a, a, you know, he's a level above the, the championship in real reality, isn't he? And when you consider the Scottish national side and and the choice they've got in midfield, I think he was always likely to to get a call up. Um, same with Bogdan in Hungary. To be honest with you, it's it's one of those, isn't it? Where if he's fit, he's going to be called up. I'm not sure who they're playing, to be honest. Um, but. The, the, the chances are of Bogdan being rested for a game like that, very, very slim. I, I don't think it's a bad thing with Bogdan as well, because obviously he's coming back from injury. He needs games to catch back up to things anyway. Uh, so, you know, the reverse could be said of Bogdan, that an international break's probably coming at a good time for him. Uh, Dennis, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think Bogdan will probably get the, get the start for Hungary, and it'll be good to see him back out there, see how he's moving. I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if Lennon, maybe he won't go and see the game, but he'll definitely be uh, be watching it very closely. You know, as for Bannon, uh, interesting you say he's maybe a level above. He strikes me as one of those players um, that maybe is a bit too good for the championship, but not quite good enough for the Premier League. He's sort of yeah, his career would uh, his career would bear that out, hasn't he? He's been flitting in between the two leagues fairly consistently ever since he arrived on the scene. But yeah, he can sort of be a be a big man in a smaller pond, or be a small fish in a big pond. Mixing my metaphors. Yeah, there. as big as big as, you, as big as you can be for five foot four, whatever. <laughs> I think with um, Barry Bannon, I think he's just got Celtic player written all over him. <laughs> he's, he just he just fits the bill of of a, of a Celtic player completely. Um, I'd be very surprised if in a couple of years he isn't playing for Celtic. When I mentioned well, he we did, got him, didn't he say that? Uh, sorry, Dan, didn't he say that Neil Lennon and his, the, the Celtic connection was a big factor in signing for Bolton in the first place as well? It wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, yeah, I'm know. sure I remember. I'm, I'm sure I remember reading yeah. that somewhere. Maybe even on the site. I'm not sure. Well, I know when we got him, I mentioned it to one of my. Uh, my mates, who's a Celtic fan, and he had said, "Oh yeah, we've been in for him before." So <laughs> you may not be too far off, Liam. Well, how old is Bannon? Is he? I don't even know. Twenty-five, twenty-six. That's off the top of my head, though. He's yeah, younger so than he's you a good, think. He's a good five. He's a good five years off playing in Scotland, then. Isn't he? <laughs> not the Champions League, Chris. 
I know I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fighting a losing battle trying to have a pop at Scottish football like with you, my friend. Okay, yeah, so um, Dan, or Dan, you've just done some international research. I have, <laughs> for my sins. Anything you want to add to the, the call-ups well, that we've got? What we discussed, so we talked about Danzy getting his weird call-up. Dan, Bogdan, Reem and Bannon. So I think that leaves you with Slab, Kevin, Good Johnson. Well, there's Ida, isn't there? Who's, who, when he came in, he said he wanted to um, get back into the Iceland squad. And he's, deser- he's fully deserved his call-ups. I am happy with him that he's got back into the team, hopefully. And they're only playing a friendly Iceland against... Um, uh, Kazakhstan. Oh, that's right, Kazakhstan. So it's only a friendly, but hopefully he can get some game time and prove he's still useful to him. And I really like Iceland. They're a good country, and I was a bit gutted when they missed out in the World Cup yeah, um, two years ago. Me too. I mean, um, interestingly, it's only, I think it's about seven or eight months short of 20 years since he made his debut for, it for Iceland as well. Uh, something like that, and he came on for his dad that day as well. Yeah, I, I didn't realise he was a record scorer, to be honest, as well. So that's another uh, another notch he's got in his career. Indeed. I am a bit concerned. I mean, we've I feel like we've asked a lot of Eider. He's been playing a lot of 90 minutes, three games in a week, that I don't think was anywhere near what was intended when when he came back at the... At no, the I agree. I don't think we've had a choice, have we? And I know he didn't play on uh, he didn't play on Saturday against Wigan, so he's had a little bit of a break. And obviously flying to, uh, flying to Iceland isn't particularly tough on, on somebody. And I, and I think he's, he's got the sort of natural fitness that, that... I mean, it won't take too much out of him travelling to play for Iceland. So that's one that I'm, I'm less bothered about, if I'm honest. Mm. Yeah, I'm just wondering uh, how much more blood we can squeeze out of that stone with him because I think all signs are pointing towards both parties wanting to continue the relationship next season yeah I hope so yeah we should we should be stupid to get rid of him in summer I think because he just brings so much experience and quality that not many other players in our team have so I really do hope we keep him too actually. I'd be surprised if we didn't if there wasn't one more same, season same so that just leaves everyone's favourite Bulgarian Slabchev <laughs> the the player who's yet to be seen the mystery man. Well, he must he must have made a serious. He must have a decent reputation on him for to uh, to, to play for the national team, and they're playing Italy as well. So it's not it's not a friendly, you know, any sort of small game. He's had uh, I think he's had two or three caps already as well. So so he's maybe one like Virginia that before the end of the season, maybe with another win under our belts, we'll feel a little bit safer that he'll uh, he'll get his chance at least for for twenty for twenty minutes here and there. I think he's wanted to play Slavjev a lot earlier, but. With the injuries we've had, with like Makata, with Wheater getting injured and Martin, well, not Martin, but um, other players getting injured, he's just not been able to play him like Regina up to this point. Troubling it with the loan, with the loan system. I mean, I, I, one, one point about, just a, on a bit of a tangent about Amos, is I, I wondered whether they would bother playing Amos for the last couple of games, because that's a loan spot that we're using. Yeah. And, and when you might think the team's fairly safe from relegation, that could be a loan spot that's maybe less less crucial. Um, yeah. But when you've got two fit goalkeepers in Bonagan, uh, Bogdan and Lonergan, you could um, you know you could maybe see to, to, to drop Amos perhaps. So and not through poor form, but just through the chance to, to play somebody else for a bit. I don't know. Yeah, I found it a bit weird how he wasn't dropped. But it's obviously I think Lennon does want him in the summer, so he's just trying to keep him sweet. I'd imagine. Yeah. That's the thing. I think if he agrees to a deal, then maybe he'll he'll take the last few weeks off. Mm. Well, it's not a bad incentive, is it? But okay, I think that does it for our international segment. 
and we'll have a bit more of that next week as the the break continues. And coming up, we hear what the listeners and readers of Line of Vienna Suite have to say in our Twitter questions segment. We'll be right back. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to your favorite segment of the Love Pod, where we get to hear from our listeners and readers and see what they have to say. So this week we had a a big question on Twitter, and we've got Lee here to join us to tell us about some of the responses. And we've also got Dan, who is going to give his opinions as well. So Lee, what did the people have to say? Hello, everybody. Um, right, well, let's get straight into it. Um, this first response to the so age-old question about us conceding, conceding the uh, late goals, and uh, another another one. Uh, we'll see. Uh, first one's from at Chris Bradish, and he says quite uh, humorously uh, because our defenders have shaved off their beards. So uh, that's a uh, uh, sort of left field uh, answer. I'm sure it's tongue in cheek. Um, so yeah, the next one um, is at Oliver Jacks, uh, 22, and he said because Matt Mills is a fraud. So uh, uh, another controversial view there. Um, the next one um, is at Glenn underscore Ashworth. And he says, we've not been able to defend the league under anyone since Big Sam. And the simple answer is, the players we have aren't good enough. What do you think to that, Dan? I think he's right in some essences. We're just not very solid defensively. And I think with the previous point as well, because Matt Mills is a fraud, it was his... I was watching the replays of Wigan's goal, and it was his fault. He left Wycombe completely unmarked, getting attracted to the ball, and then he gave him the time to... You know, scoring over head kick, which again costs us points. And up the other end, yeah. with players not being good enough, Craig Davis is free in the past four games now. He's had chances to secure his points and he's not scored. And that is just simply not good enough in the slightest. Mm, he's missed some cities, hasn't he? Yeah. Just a bit. All right, yeah. Well, what you say about the over a kick with the Wigan goal, that's the second over a kick we've conceded in two seasons against him. I don't know what Nick Powell uh, last season, wasn't it? Yeah. And both anyway. of them had a foul with the build up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next one is from uh, that Rory guy. I think he, he he responded last week. So well done, you. Uh, he said uh, they know they know they haven't done so in the past and sort of convinced themselves they can't do it and fail to concentrate. So he obviously thinks it's a mentality thing uh-huh. again, um, which he's, it probably does creep into the player's mind as soon as he as soon as it hits 85, 86 minutes and we've got the backs mm-hmm. against the wall. I think that's probably. A, Probably a reasonable shout, that one. Um, next one is a guy called Matt Bottom, uh, and his, um, his his Twitter handle is at BKD is my hero. And he says, uh, we haven't got good enough players further up the pitch to relieve the pressure late in the game, and we need a decent target man for next season. Um, what do you think to that, Dennis? I think he's got a good point there, actually, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, could be. I think it's... It's also people tend to blame the players. Um, I would look at the tactics a bit as well because Neil Lennon is a manager that changes formation from game to game and within the 90 minutes. You know, when you look at a lot of these late goals, there have been subs coming on that have changed the formation, changed the setup. You know, whether it's bringing someone like Moxie on or bringing Vela on late. You know, he does 
tinker at that late point in the game. And I think that's really yeah. something I'm not opposed to it generally, but he might have to reconsider what he's doing, what it's affecting, how it is changing things. True, true. Yeah. Um, the next one is uh, at BF, BWFC underscore Haufener. And he says that leadership or lack of, um, and how many different captains have we had this season? And that the last real leader we had was Nolan. So uh, sort of a leadership sort of slant on things there. Um, uh, uh, Daniel West at Danny W91 says, for me, it's complacency, thinking we've got, it, we've got what we've come for and all of a sudden forgetting we're still playing the game. Um, I'd be surprised if it was complacency after it's happened so many times. Surely they're going to be more yeah. aware of the fact it's happening. I, I can't think it would be complacency personally, yeah. but you know they're not deliberately doing it. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't. I can't see them have been f- um, uh, filled with enough confidence to be complacent. I just think they are just genuinely. Mm. I, I liked the previous guys, um, Rory, and he was saying it's a mental thing. It's like it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now we think we're going to do it, so we do it, and that's what's costing us a lot at the minute, a lack of yeah. strong mentality. Definitely, definitely. There's a few more here, I'll just go, there's a couple more, I'll just go through. Um, at D Manning1985, don't know if any relation to Chris, but uh, it doesn't help when you don't have players playing in their natural positions, and two centre-backs that get, constantly get dragged to the ball, um, which again, is probably another pretty decent point, a bit of a different point to what other people have said about the centre-halves. Um, it does happen a lot with Mills, in my opinion. Um, and the last one is down down the Manny Road. At down the Manny Road, he says a lack of a leader in the heart of defence and an all-round lack of character in the team. So it's mainly sort of a lot of people saying a lack of elite leaders. But I think Paddy McCarthy's shown that he is one of those, and he was, we still conceded two last-minute goals with him in the team. So you know, I don't I don't know what the answer is. What what is the answer, guys? You know, I'm. I've always been a a big proponent of the idea of defending from the front. And yeah. <laughs> I wonder if with when we're in this situation with five, ten minutes to go, I would take one of the defenders, you know, whether it's a Moxie or a Mills, something like that, and put them in the midfield or even put them up top and really defend way up the pitch. Because, I mean, you think about it, when this sitting deep – in the last couple minutes, they're getting the other team, they're getting the ball within 40 yards of the goal without any yeah. effort, without having to beat anybody or do anything. And I from th- there... I think putting a defender, like an actual... Like Moxie maybe couldn't... Like Moxie was on the wing um, against Wigan. And I, but I think moving a centre-back forward is a bit, would be a bit um, risky. But I think, I think what you're saying with attacking from... Defending from the front is true. And Heskey was doing that amazingly against Wigan. At one point, he held off three players. Um, in about the 85th minute, he held off three players on his own and then played a brilliant through ball for, for Davis. And he went through and he fucked up again and that's it he was Lennon mentioned it in his interview Heskey was the one player who was keeping hold of the ball and keeping it up there whereas nobody else had the sticking power to, to relieve the pressure off the defence and that, that's why we kept falling back deep because it was just apart from Heskey everybody else was letting them down I think I think it's sometimes as well like you one nil up so it just the game will just flow automatically to the fact that they're pressing you you sometimes can't there's not an awful lot you can do unless you've got a fantastic um, bunch of players is to counter-attack and constantly be a threat in the counter-attack. 
And if we had fantastic counter-attacking players, we wouldn't be in the Championship. We'd be in the top eight in the Premier League. Um, you know what I mean? You, sometimes there's not... The only thing you can do is just literally battle, battle, battle until you just don't concede that goal in the last minute. And we're just going to have to try and get over this split. I think I think we can do it, but it's it's worrying. It's definitely worrying, isn't it? Yeah, we just have a weak mentality at the minute. And I think we're all just hoping for this summer now to get all the deadwood out and just have a proper good summer Lennon with his own team, with his own players and go for it big next year. I think that's all we can hope for now. Hopefully, don't go down, yeah. which I can't see happening. But no, it's, it won't happen because there's too many teams. Even with the yeah. point gap, there's too many teams below us anyway. We're no, we're, yeah. we're not going down. Seriously, we're not going. Yeah, not going I don't down. think we will. But you know, it is just an ever-present worry because you you just never quite safe. You never know what can happen in this league. True, true. It's a crazy league. And it's really, I mean, it just feels when you get to this point in the season. It just feels like the season is five matches too long. It just feels like it should end around 40 matches. Aye, fizzles out if you're not doing anything. Like last year. But what can you do? Like I said, we'll just have to hopefully get through the season with not too many more embarrassing results and performances and just go through it big in the summer next year. I don't know how what you mentioned about the weekend game, because obviously it wasn't on, but we were diabolical from the majority of that game. And then, <sighs> apart from apart from Walker, Regina and Heskett, well, and obviously Amos none of them performed to the standard they should be doing. Yeah, that was kind of the conclusion earlier. It was really, it was a miracle we weren't already down 2-0. Oh, we should have been falling down. I tell you why, there was another player who did really well in Vela when he came on. He changed the game a bit for us when he came on. We, he should have come on for Trotter, actually, instead of uh, Regina. I think we might have won. Had he, there's an argument that the, the midfield would have gone to, would have lacked strength then, but Trotter's not a very good player. I keep That's saying I it, say when Vela's in the midfield, he runs the game. Oh, yeah, easy. He did against Wigan. It's got to be priority one, if nothing else. This summer has got to be to get more depth at right back, because Vela just needs <laughs> to be in the midfield. Yeah, definitely, because uh, there's the young lad, Paulinho, from Portugal, I believe, was after on loan, and I can, uh, hopefully he goes for... Hopefully we do definitely need a right back this year, because... We need to get Velo into midfield where his where his um, where his assets will be benefit the team. And I think that finishes us up for this week. So thank you, Dan. Thank you, Lee. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Liam. Thank you, Elliot. Everybody we had today. You can find us all on the Lion of Vienna Suite if you want more. Everybody enjoy the international break.